paid good money to see this movie. When they go out to a theater, they want cold sodas, hot popcorn, and no monsters in the projection booth. Everyone pretend podcasting isn't boring. Turn it off. It's been two years since four neo-Nazis invaded my family's lake house and murdered my father. I'm 16 now. I've run away from three foster homes. Diego, come. This is Elena Khan. I've lived with her for the past year. We go now to a developing story. They call themselves the Noblemen, and they may be coming here to Fillmore. Whether or not the Noblemen decide to make an appearance at the town hall on Wednesday, only time will tell. So are you going to see this? You're just going to stand there. Right this way. Finally. She did that on purpose. Saving our country and stopping the treason one vengeful mission at a time. To freedom. 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 Who is it? It's Becky. You took my dog. No! <laughs> Should we go to the cops? I got enough weaponry in my barn to start an insurrection at Town Hall tomorrow. Find the girl and give her back her dog! It was fun while it lasted. It's not over yet. Hey folks, welcome to a special episode of The Projection Booth. I'm your host, Mike White. On this episode, I'm talking with three people behind the movie Wrath of Becky. The film opens May 26, 2023 in theaters around the country. Be sure to check local listings, and if not there, look for it on streaming soon. First up, we're going to hear from directors Suzanne Coote and Matt Angel. And after that, we're going to hear from Becky herself, Lulu Wilson. Enjoy these interviews and definitely check out Wrath of Becky. How do you two know each other? How did you meet? Actually, our dads met before we were born. And yeah. somehow we didn't meet until we were in our early 20s. Yeah. And I was working in development for my dad, who was a producer, and Matt wrote a script. And so I did the coverage on Matt's script. And then he came in for a meeting to meet my dad. And we were dating four months yeah. later. And then he was working with another writing partner. I was still in development and at night go home and we'd write together. And then we were like, maybe we should direct together too and see if we can really fuck up our relationship. And we didn't so far. And 
here we are. We just did our third film together. We're married. We have a child. So it's nice. We're very lucky. And it's just, it just works. There's something about it when it works. I've always been curious when it comes to people that work together, especially when it comes to directing, how do you break up the work? We don't. When it comes to Becky, he wrote it. We broke it together. He wrote it because I found out I was in my first trimester and I was like, I can't look at a computer. I'm so sick to my stomach. But when it comes to directing, we don't break up the work. We're literally conjoined at the hip. Is that the right? Joined. Joined. Conjoined. Conjoined. I don't know. We're conjoined at the hip. And we, to the best of our ability, I'd say 98% of the time, we're making every single decision together. Yeah. Because it just... We're both engaged visually. We're both engaged with the actors. Yeah. A big part of what we do is so that we're not going, wait, I don't agree with that because we don't have time to do that. No one has time to do that on films. Prep is everything in terms of the majority of our decision making. And when it comes to the day and you're working with actors and you're working with things that come up on the fly, you call cut, you look at each other, you discuss, and then you go out as a united front and deliver that conversation in terms of notes. I think it's very important when you're, at least for us, I'll speak to our situation as co-directors. It's really important that we're just in constant communication and respectful of the other person's vision so that there is no, you can't have resentment build up. You can't lose arguments and go, fine, you do what you want to do. If you get this lying at the next. Yeah, there's none of that. It's like, yeah. our number one rule is we duke it out until we convince the other person that we're right. And then there's at an some point, point. Yeah, at some point someone goes, oh, I get your vision. Okay, I get it. You're right. What did your relationship to the original Becky film? No, nothing. Outside of we knew the producers and we knew Lulu when they were making the first one. Yeah, we were actually neighbors with Lulu Wilson and her family. And I remember when they went off to shoot the first one and we had the conversation, we ran into each other walking our dogs of, oh, God, we can't wait to work with you. It's going to be so fun one day when we get to do a movie with you. I think we had just finished our first film. Yeah, cut to, um, yeah. It was great. He had been trying to do something with these producers at Boulder Light, J.D., Rafi, and Tracy for a few years. So when they came to us and they said, would you be interested in coming on to write and direct a sequel to Becky? The idea of getting to work with not only them, but also Lulu Wilson was very appealing to us. And then it was the challenge of getting to do a sequel to a film that we really enjoyed. It was all of that. And then we were off. When they came to you, did they have any ideas already in mind or was that a green field for you? All they said was, it has to be bloody and you have to talk about the key. And we were like, and they said, and then they said, you have three weeks to write the script. And we were like, wow, okay. And I think there was one big conversation that we all had together about who the bad guys would be. What's, yeah, where is Becky now? How long has it been? What does that look like? A lot of it just felt like it naturally poured out of us as we tried to put ourselves in, in Becky's shoes and address the questions of like, what would happen? She'd be put in the foster care system. Would she stay? Would she stay? No way. Yeah. Becky's such a strong character. She makes it easy. Yeah. It's very strong decisions. It felt very clear to us what the evolution of this character would look like. And fun for us to tap into what her buried trauma from the events prior to the first film, the events in the first film, like yeah. how would that present itself in Becky at 16? And the change in anyone from 13 to 16 is massively significant. So that was... I was like cute when I was 13 and then psycho when I was 16. We just used her. He is. I'm, I am her journals. I'm oh, Becky. Yeah. And in jail. Just kidding. Becky's in jail? Well, she will be eventually. Come on. <laughs> She'll break out. She'll break out. Let's yeah. be honest. She's got the free pass from the FBI now or the CIA. 
That's true. I forgot about the movie. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So yeah, I think it was that's how we got involved. It was uh, it was Genesis Fast and yeah. Furious. I never would have known that. It feels so natural. The use of the villains that you chose, just the way that you set up the movie. I honestly I would have thought that it was the plan from the beginning that it went into the wrath of Becky. Wow. That is thank you so much. Music to our yes. We wanted to do right by the fans. We wanted to do right by Nick Morris, who created the character, and Carrie and John. And we also wanted to do something that would evolve the franchise. I like to call it a franchise because I think it has potential. And invite in a whole new audience that would watch it, be able to see it as a film that stands on its own two feet, and then go, wait, this is a sequel? And go back and watch the first film. We wanted to make sure it was a film for the fans and also a film for all new audience members to really invite them in. And by the way, the film looks fantastic. Your DP is amazing. Julia Swain is fantastic. Pretty soon I'll be able to afford her. If already, yeah. She's fantastic. She's un- unbelievable. So what were some of the challenges other than having to write this in three weeks? Let's see. So, so how movie, but like in a fun way, but it's low budget, very low budget. It looks not low budget. Much bigger than yeah. what it was. That was, that was our goal that we really set out to accomplish with Julia Swain and our production designer and the whole team was like, yeah. how do we make this look like a much bigger film? So blood gags, practical blood gags, squibs, a dog, Lulu is a minor. All those things make it very hard to shoot. 18 days shoot. 18 days. It was like one take and go. We owe it all to our cast and crew because I like to say it felt like we were shooting a play where we only have the money to do this one time and it's a gag and you better get it right. And if you don't, we don't put it in the movie, which is very scary because then you're, it's the whole figure out and post thing, which we didn't have to do because everyone was so on top of their shit. Stephen Boyer is our editor, another person to keep your eye on. He's unbelievable editor. And we cut this film in five weeks. And that was because he really understood our vision. And it, it was just... It just worked, and that was how it felt from day from one. From prep to you, yeah. With all the different people we got to work with and heads of departments and stuff. And we're not, like, easy. Like, we're very demanding. And people were... Well, we, we stick mean, to our guns. I was like, I mean, we're, like, we're a pain in the ass. Yeah, we're, like, our AD is from this movie is now, like, one of our closest friends, and he has, like, white hair. <laughs> but he loves Oh, us, my God. He's... Learning. I can't wait. I can't wait for him to see this. Yeah, and we say he has a white hair. No, he doesn't have white. It's all white hair, hair. But he blames us. Yeah, you know, I love that in the first movie with Kevin James just playing completely against type. But really, with this one too, Sean William Scott, what an amazing role and what a great performance he gives. Yeah, can't wait for the world to see his performance in this movie. He's just so good. He's so good. I think he's going to be coming out of this. People are going to talk about that performance. He will say in interviews, and I love to talk about this because it's shocking. Everyone talks about Stifler, but like when he came to Hollywood, he says he came to play serial killers, and that was the stunt he mm-hmm. loved. And then he landed American Pie. The rest is history. He's done some of my favorite comedies, but I think like Bloodline was what people started talking about, where he got to play a dark role, and then and now he's done The Wrath of Becky. And what was so fantastic is. From the moment we had our first meeting with him, he showed up with so many ideas for who this guy was, how to ground him, how to make him 
a calculated intellectual character. And it really helped us accomplish the satirical kind of parallel universe we were trying to create where you can get away with a movie set in broad daylight and primary colors pop in and uh, your heroine running around in a bright red jumpsuit, slaughtering these people in fun ways because you have an incredible performance by Lulu Wilson that's grounded in real trauma. And then you have an incredible performance by your lead antagonist. And it really gave us permission to have fun with the world around them, given that had two grounded leads. What's next for you after this one? Right now, nothing because we're pens down. Yeah. In support of everything that we're fighting yeah. for in the Writers Guild and hoping the ANPTP gets their shit together. Their shit together. Yeah. But we have a lot of things we're looking forward to that are in the works for after this. We'll speak to what we like to say. The world is lucky enough to see Becky come back. And we're lucky enough to be invited back to the party. We have a lot of ideas. We have a lot of ideas. Nothing was by accident in the second film. There were a lot of clues we dropped as to exactly what the third film would be, if, if we had anything to do with it, and where we see Becky going. But yeah, to us, it's like we know where we would take the story. Yeah. That's cool. It's like an exquisite corpse, like a, the writing exercise. And yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very cool. Matt and Suzanne, thank you so much for your time. This was such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you, Mike. Really appreciate it. Have a good day. You've been acting since you were three years old. How did you even get into it? Okay. Okay. Here's the story. I love telling the story. I have two older sisters and my oldest sister was like a gap model when she was like 12. And my mom, since I was a little baby child, took me with her wherever she went, all of her castings for that. And I assumed that it was something everybody did. And I was just waiting for my turn. And so I broke my mom down. She was resistant to it at first, meaning like me being a baby. But she gave in. And I started with just like print modeling when I was little and then commercials and then spiraled out of control. And here we are. And I'm not planning on giving it up anytime soon. My passion just keeps building and building. When you are approaching a role like Becky, how do you prepare for it? How do you even find the character? It was definitely a process, I think, more for the second one than the first one, because I'm older now and I wanted to take it take it way more seriously because I'm so passionate about this role and this movie and this character and the people involved. I worked with my fencing coach, who also does stunt stuff, and she helped me look normal holding crossbows and weapons and roll around because like couldn't do forward roles so she told me how to do that and I spent a couple months with her a couple times a week just like working all of that out because it was a very physically demanding role but then character wise I had a lot of conversations with Matt and Suze just about where we wanted to take this character and the development that she was going to go through because she's been through a lot, a lot since the first and the second movies and I wanted to make that apparent and I wanted her not to be just this angry 13 year old girl still she's 16 now she's been preparing she's ready and i wanted to make that clear to the audience and i wanted to feel that as i was acting is this the first time you've ever revisited a character you've played before yes it is and it was really exciting especially to have it be becky because i'm i myself am like obsessed with the character in the movies it's this movie that i would be 
crazy over if I wasn't in it. I'd be the first person in theaters. I'd probably go multiple nights in a row. It's just so my speed. I didn't realize how fun it would be to get to play that character again because you just build off of what you already have and gives you that springboard into making something even better. I imagine you had to have had a stunt person for this, but did you end up getting injured at all or were you pretty safe? I was very safe. Other than like the occasional bruise, like I was totally fine. I like fell down a couple of times when I wasn't doing anything dangerous because that's just like how I am. But I didn't know everything was great. And I was able to do a lot of stuff on my own, which is always big for me on any set I'm on. I'm like, please let me just do it because it's so fun and I want to have that opportunity. But no injuries. You spend so much time covered in gore and blood. What are they putting on you in those scenes? Okay, I'm like, I. it wasn't the corn syrup blood. It was something else because it tasted terrible. First, in the first bit when I get covered in the blood and they're throwing it on me, like a lot went into my mouth and it was terrible. It tasted so bad. Other than the taste, felt so cool. Like, I was amazing. After the first couple of days, though, I was like, okay, maybe we could stop with all this blood. <laughs> Because it was like 15-hour days being covered in blood. It was a lot. But no, it just made it more fun because everyone was so supportive. And so everyone was really looking out for me, making sure I was okay. And I so was. And yeah, it was just like some sticky red goop. I don't even know. I should have probably asked when I was on set, what are you covering me in? But never thought to. (laughs) And since you're under 18, how long can you even work on set on a day? I can work long hours now because of... It's just like a whole thing, but like I can work long, I can work adult hours being 17, which is like great. And Becky, I think, was my second project being able to work adult hours. And it was great. Like that kind of movie, you can't really get done without working your ass off. And we all worked our asses off. And I had a great time, like even in that 12 hour, like sitting on set being like, I was just ready to go. On the weekends, I'd wake up and be like, can I just go to work? I had such an amazing time on this set. And you have such natural rapport with your co-stars. You are going toe-to-toe with every single person on screen with you. Yeah, and I got along with everybody so well. It was, I had to kill them all. But (laughs) not really. It was amazing forming that connection and being able to sit with everyone at lunch and like debrief about what we were doing that day and talking about our favorite strong female characters and It was an amazing experience through and through. I really loved and adored everybody on that set. I really hope there is a Becky 3. Me too. So what are you working on these days? Right now I'm in New Mexico filming a sci-fi movie called Xeno, working with Kevin Hart's production company and the Jim Henson company, which is amazing. Unbelievable. It's been an incredible experience so far and we're only on like week two. So yeah, it's amazing. And I have... um, the first episode of Fall of the House of Usher coming out sometime in September. Thank you so much for your time. This was great talking with you. Thank you so much. Rolling down Route 17 Raising hell in my friend's built street machine Got pulled over fuzz in my rear view mirror Got another ticket It's my third one this Lost my 
expression on her face. Had to ask her out. There's just no time to wait. I did not understand her stoic stance. So I turned to my friend Reno. A wise man must be free of passion. A belief set forth by Zeno. Oh, I'm in love with Becky the stoic. I think she likes me, but how? Get into her house on time. 